Welcome to a new week of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This week's Come Follow Me study is sections 121 uh, through 123 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And so, this, these three sections, um, received by revelation and given through and to and from the Prophet Joseph, are all while he's in uh, Liberty Jail in Missouri in March of 1839. So these three are very closely connected. Uh, they came uh, and were dictated uh, within days of each other. And so understanding <clears throat> the historical context uh, for, for one of the sections will really give you the, the context for all three of these sections. Um, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, the sections have been kind of accelerating in terms of the the time that's passed between each. Um, but here we get three in a row that are given within within days of each other in March of 1839. And just as an example of the acceleration, section 124 that we'll study next week uh, is actually given in 1841. So it's almost two full years later. Um, and so... There, there seems to be some importance in my eyes that, of these three sections that they uh, are all in here and that they are all um, so close together. Um, so just, just that, just there you go. That's that thought. I'm just keep, I keep thinking of like what else to say. That's it. That's the thought. So. Um, here's the, here's some, the context. So in, um, the summer, late summer, fall of 1838, contention between the saints and the Missourians really started to heat up. And in October 20, uh, in October, late October of 1838, the Missouri governor, uh, Lilburn Boggs, uh, signs what isn't becomes known as the Extermination Act. Um, it's the expulsion of the, of the Mormons, right? So that you can, they need to be driven out of the state or they can be killed. Um, there was some incidents around the, the, um, that preceded that, that uh, convinced the governor to do that, uh, where there was a skirmish between saints and <clears throat> some mob men. And uh, I believe one of the mob was killed, but there were several of, uh, of the members of the church who were killed. Um, and the story goes back to the governor and says, the, 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 more, hey, the Mormons are killing everybody, and there was all this, this massacre just happened, uh, ignoring the fact that far more members of the church were killed than the one mob member. Now, one mob member dying, is that good? No, but... The story was was twisted and changed and distorted, and which just added to the hysteria. So this this is uh, signed, put into effect. Three four days later, uh, October thirty first of eighteen thirty eight, uh, the, pro the prophet Joseph and several others are taken into custody, um, and then they are then uh, moved to Liberty Jail uh, in December. So just. It's December 1st, so it's just about a month later. Uh, okay, so that gets you to December 
Um, but now this, these letters and, and these sections, section 121 and 122 and 123, are given in March. So he lays in prison for months. And what he's, the few reports that he's given are terrible. The saints are being driven out. They're being killed. They're being accosted in all sorts of horrendous ways. Um, it's the middle of winter. So the saints are having that issue. Meanwhile, Joseph and his companions are in Liberty Jail. That is, um, well, I'll read uh, a description here. The jail had no sleeping quarters, and thus they were forced to seek rest and recuperation on beds of straw placed on hardened plank and stone floors. They suffered very little contact with the outside world, especially during the first month of their confinement. And this at a crucial time when the Latter-day Saints were at the peak of persecution in Missouri. They were desperately in need of their prophet leader. Uh, they would be allowed visitors occasionally, and they could go up out of this ladder, the, because it was literally just like a cellar latch opens up and there's a ladder down into this cellar that is the prison. Um, they could come up one at a time occasionally um, and to, and they could receive and send some, some correspondence. Uh, and so between March 28th and March 25th, the prophet uh, dictated a lengthy letter. They get sent as two letters that they were able to send out, signed by all the prisoners. Um, later, Joseph identified the second letter as just a continuation of the first, and it's it's these correspondences here, uh, section 121 and 122 and 123. So, um, terrible conditions for, for the men there. They said that the food was so terrible that uh, they would only eat it when forced to because hunger was... And starvation was, you know, nipping them on the heels. Uh, and meanwhile, the saints, without their leader, without the prophet, are, are being scattered. <clears throat> and so as we read section 121, and you read how Joseph starts by saying, O God, where art thou, and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? You can begin to get a sense of the despair that he's feeling. And I think it's interesting to note that this is in March. This is after months. This isn't in December. This isn't, you know, even a, a month in, at December 1st, when they moved to Liberty, you could see questioning and wondering. And I don't think <clears throat> the prophet's faith wavered, and I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, and I don't think that he didn't, he didn't not have questions until March. But it's not until March that he expressed those questions in this way. It was after he had endured this much, after the saints had endured that much. But then, even the, but still, the prophet had a question and had questions, and wanted to know how much longer it had to had to go on. How long shall thy hand be stayed, and thine eye, yea, thy pure eye, behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people and of thy servants? and thine ear be penetrated with their cries. Yea, O Lord, how long? He asks, how long is the Lord going to let this go on? And so I don't think that we need to feel bad if we ask those questions at times. When we're going through our 
trials and troubles when we're walking through our garden of Gethsemane and up our hill of Golgotha. Because it's easy in life to think, if I do the right thing, I'll be blessed, which is true, but that doesn't always mean you'll be blessed in a temporal, life is easy, you know, sunshine and roses kind of way. Because if that was the case, then A, it would be always easy. It would be a no-brainer to choose the right. Because if you were always immediately blessed, then it would be, there would be no choice. There would, that, there, and it would require no faith and the whole plan of salvation and our whole purpose for our mortality and our, our existence on earth would be frustrated. Additionally, if that was the case, if, if every time you chose right, you just got like thumbs up and a, a gold star and a sticker, you know? Well then, explain Christ's life, who was perfect and never did anything wrong, and yet was betrayed, was kicked out of his own hometown, was beat and mocked and spit upon and had his beard hair ripped out, suffered in Gethsemane, had nails driven through his hands and his feet and his wrist, and hung on a cross and died. Explain that. So there are hard times in life, and it's easy to think that if we just choose the right. And so then, and, and where I was going with this, and to reconnect to section 121, it can be easy to think, man, I'm doing the right things. Why is this so hard? And how much longer will it be hard? And I guess one of the messages, one of the messages from Joseph Smith's introduction and beginning of section 121 here is that it's okay to ask that even the prophet asked that but we have to do it with the right mindset with the with 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 faith not with doubt or fear but with faith and so as we set that stage earlier about how just the persecution and the terrible circumstances that surrounded them <clears throat> I want to circle back now to what, you know, the, you can feel that emotion in, in the first few verses. But then imagine what Joseph must have felt. And even the weight that must have been lifted, even though the saints were still in persecu persecution and being driven and still in, had trials, even though he still sat in prison, imagine what it must have felt like to hear the words, My son, peace be unto thy soul, thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph, triumph over all thy foes. So if there's one lesson I said that, you know, that we can learn, it's okay to ask a question. It's okay to, to do those things if we do it right. But the other major important lesson here from section 121 that I get is that Peace comes, and then as we endure those challenges, no matter how long they are, the Lord will bless us. And as we ask the questions, as we ask with, with a sincere heart, with faith, He gives us the strength to carry on. What kind of strength do you think this, this section was to, to Joseph? As the section progresses, He begins to teach the saints and he teaches Joseph and 
and Joseph, in, 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 in teaching Joseph, he teaches the saints because Joseph dictates this and they write the letter and they send it. What, are the, what kinds of things do they say? God shall give unto you knowledge by his Holy Spirit, yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost. You're going <clears> to <throat> you're gonna receive this knowledge. What kind of knowledge is it? It's the kind of knowledge that our forefathers have awaited with anxious expectation. And then the Lord promises us that there's a time coming, and whether it's now or in the future, it doesn't matter. But there is a time coming where we will know everything. Nothing shall be withheld, whether there should be, uh, whether there be one God or many gods, they shall be manifest, and all thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, shall be revealed and set forth upon all who have endured valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have this connection. You want to know how long? Well, eventually you'll know everything, Joseph and my saints. But that that knowledge comes through the Holy Ghost, the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost, only to those who endure valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll know about everything, about the counsel of the eternal God, of all other gods before this world was, how time works and how everything, all the glories and laws and set times shall be revealed. Everything will be given, but only to those who endure valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we endure valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ if we don't have some trial to withstand because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of our faith, because of our belief in Jesus Christ? And then the Lord says, look, you're in prison. The saints are being driven. But my work will roll on and he gives us, I love this, um, this illustration, this visual. He says, What power shall stay the heavens? As well might a man stretch forth his puny arm to stop the Missouri River in its decreed course, or to turn it upstream. The Missouri River is a pretty big river. And imagine a man just sticking his arm in it and thinking that was going to turn the river, that that would just redirect the course of the river. Now, the water just trickles around his arm and continues on its path. And that is what was happening. That's what the Lord was saying is, yep, being driven out of Missouri, I'm in control still. Yep, you're in prison. I'm in control still. And then near the end of section 121, we get, uh, you know, well-cited, you know, back in my uh, seminary days, uh, scripture mastery, scripture about... uh, Many are called, but few are chosen. Why are they not called? It's because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of men that they do not learn this one lesson. And I'll get to the lesson in just a minute. But what is it? It's that they have their heart set on the things of men. They have their heart set on the now, the here and the now. Not on enduring valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter what comes. What is the thing that they don't understand? It's that they don't understand that the power, the rights of the priesthood, are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven, and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled upon the principles of right, only upon the principles of righteousness. How do we receive the power of God, the power of heaven? Well, we do it through our covenants. Every man and woman who makes and keeps covenants can have that power. Well, if, and then the, the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with that power. And so, 
You can't just say, I, oh, I'm priesthood. I, I hold the priesthood. I can control you. I have dominion over you. No, it's about keeping your covenants. And if you are a man or a woman and you make and keep covenants, you have the rights of the priesthood because it's inseparably connected with that. Men are given and ordained in priesthood and given authority to act. Women also given authority to act in their callings. If, they're, if you're given a calling in a, in a station in the church or, in, or as a mother, you're given authority. But where do you get the power? The power to actually act, the power to, to move mountains? It comes from keeping your covenants. <clears throat> no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood. Only by persuasion and long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, by love unfeigned, by kindness, by pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. Reproving be times sharp, uh, with sharpness, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and when showing forth afterward an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy. He teaches us how to be good parents, how to be good leaders, how to be good siblings, how to be good bosses, employers, employees. These are things that, that permeate not just our, our religious life, but our, our being as children of God, as disciples of Christ. This is how you treat other people. And if you have to correct them, correct them. But then you show forth more love to them so that they know that you did the correction because you loved them. And then he says, that thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men. Let's think about that. Think about what's going on. They're being driven and persecuted and murdered and raped and buildings being burned and homes. And the prophet sits in a prison where they really were giving them the very, very, very bare minimum to survive. It was freezing cold during the winter. No food. The water would actually freeze and it would be ice. They couldn't drink it. They'd have to break it through the ice to try to get some water. And the Lord says, have charity. What will happen? Let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Have virtue of your thoughts about these people, even. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. And the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul as the dews from heaven. I love this illustration as well, because think about dew. Where does dew come from? So I'm not a meteorologist, nor any kind of scientist, but roughly... What happens is, where does dew come from? Like in, in a summer morning, you wake up, or spring morning, and there's some dew on the on the grass and on the leaves. That water is there. As the temperature drops, you reach a dew point where that it con, uh, condenses enough to leave droplets. Okay, but that water was always in the air. So if if the doctrine of the priest is going to distill upon our souls as the dew from heaven, that doctrine is all around us. But by having charity and letting virtue garnish our thoughts, we can be worthy of the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost to reveal things to us that are already around us, that are here, that, we'll that our eyes will be opened to see, our mind will be opened. There are times in my life that I go up and down on this. I think we all do that. But what I can tell you is that I have experienced definite times and, ex and there are definite experiences in my life where I have felt 
to say, How long, O Lord? But that the Lord has answered me and said, Peace be unto thy soul, my son. And then as I have endured things and endured my challenges and as I have sought to follow my Savior, I have experienced the doctrine of the priesthood being distilled upon my soul as the dews from heaven. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you join me next as we discuss section 122 of the Doctrine and Covenants.